it seems to me in America that the Democrats aren't very happy with Donald Trump. That may be an understatement. I don't know for sure, but in my spirit, I believe that if you have a choice between a president who is pro-life, a president who is pro-sanctity of marriage, and then anybody else running who is for abortion and not against and not for pro-life, I would think it would be a no-brainer to figure out which way God would want you to go in that situation. And for me, the Word of God says that we should pray for those who are in authority over us. And Sue's going to pray for our president. He was duly elected, whether you like him or not. He was duly elected in this nation. A lot of people don't like the way he talks. He says things and uses words that we probably wouldn't use. For some of us, he probably uses words we you would use. Uh, so Sue, come on up here and pray for our president. Well, you, you know the Word of God says that it's on us to be praying for those in authority over us in Timothy. And so whether you like a guy or not, God doesn't care at all. Your opinion. We have who we have, and we're going to pray that he has wisdom, that he has the word with him, and that he'll do the things God has called him to do. I, I remember one time I, I called pastor. I said, you don't think. You can't believe that Donald Trump will ever be our president. Do you believe that? Yes. <laughs> and so I'm grateful and I'm thankful because the word of God also tells us you will know them by their fruit. And we can see the fruit. He's more than talk. So praise you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our nation first and foremost. I thank you that the founders had the vision to see what you saw. And they had the fortitude to get us here today. And Father, I do pray over America. I pray for the people of the United States, that they would awaken to you, O oh Lord, that they would know our help comes from you and that you are the one. No president could unite us, but Lord, you can. And no Congress can help us, but Lord, you can. And so, Father, we lift up this president to you. We thank you for our president, our vice president. We thank you for our congressmen and women. And Lord, all those that serve in the military, we thank you. God, what a great nation we have. We are blessed above all people. We are so blessed. And now, Lord God, I thank you for a man who, though he has much, has not taken it for granted. He knows the blessings he has. And I believe, Lord, that he hears from you. He has people in that White House praying that he will do the things that you command, Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, that even though he doesn't speak eloquently like some, but Lord, he means what he says and he'll do what he says. And Father, I pray that you will lift him up, lift up our vice president, Lift up our first and second families and all those. We plead the blood of Jesus over every one, every one of their families and extended families. We bind the enemy against their lives in Jesus' name, and we tell you, you have no authority there, no authority in our nation either. Yes. And so we thank you, Lord, that the United States will have a great awakening. 
we will awaken to the things of God like we never have before because you put this man in office and we pray for him. And we thank you, Lord God, that no weapon formed against him will ever prosper. And every tongue, Lord God, that rises up against him, he will show to be in the wrong. That is your word. And therefore, Father, we rely on your word. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for this great nation and the people in it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for our nation. Got a word? Got a word, my darling? You look awful pretty. A little bit different weather this uh, compared to a few days ago. <laughs> We're going to make our confession right now. I believe it's so true. How many of you believe that you could be more bold assertive than you are not not trying to get you to raise your hand but how many of you believe you could be a little bit more bold a little bit more assertive in your life we're going to talk about that tonight because I truly believe I love all of these messages I shared this before I love listening to Joel Osteen and every day is going to be a great day and everything's going to be great and it's you're going to be blessed coming and blessed going that's scriptural I believe it I believe it I believe it but how many of you believe that if you'd been standing on those mountain peaks in Hawaii, December the 7th, 1941, the word of God is true. And the same word would have gone forth that this is the day the Lord has made, we real rejoice. But if you'd seen those planes coming in, I don't think you'd just stayed there reading your Bible. I think you'd have shouted. I think you'd have told the people, we got something happening here that is not normal. Pam told me this while she was over there and, and I said it quippingly I, I probably shouldn't have but she said we were with one of the former or no former military guy the, uh, the, the guy that had pastored the church there he said this is the safest place in the world the army the air force the navy and the marines are all here on the Coast island too. I said sweetheart they were there December 7th 1941 when the attack came we have to be vigilant and I just keep feeling I just keep that the body of Christ thinks everything is okay. It's okay, we're all right. I don't feel like we're all right. I feel like we need to rise up, and we're gonna talk about that tonight. So let's make our confession right now. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. You say amen. And now, the word of God is true. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's just that simple. You can all be seated. I want to I want to share this uh, uh, with you that uh, I just believe that there is a boldness that is needed in the body of Christ to proclaim the Word of God and to realize. How many of you grew up in a household where we don't need to be talking about religion and politics? Uh, that used to be an old saying. Now, we don't talk about religion and politics. Folks, we all ought to be talking about the political process and religion. It's so important that we send out a clarion call to people and share things with I thank God for the woman that led me really and truly to the man who led me to the Lord, but I'm going to talk a little bit about her tonight. But it's important that we do understand 
the times that we live in. And uh, I just, as I was praying over this message and, I, and earlier this afternoon, I said, God, it seems like I'm always trying to give some kind of a message with a warning in it. I just as soon talk about the joy of the Lord is our strength and let's laugh all the way through the service and go home and have a great night. But it's a little bit more of a stern message of being bold to proclaim what the Holy Spirit is showing you to proclaim and help set people free. And uh, just as I did, I got a pop-up on my cell phone. And I don't know who this person is. Uh, doesn't really matter who it is. Do anybody know who Ellie Goulding is? She's a real, real popular singer right now. So you know who she is? Okay. Well, well anyway, she's, uh, uh, she's scheduled to sing at the halftime between the Cowboys and Buffalo on the big game every year, uh, Thanksgiving Day. And uh, here's what's happening, I believe, in our nation that the Lord has shown me. That, that we're, we're being attacked from the West Coast and the East Coast, and it's filtering into different areas, and it's filtering into our universities. It's filtering into our workplace. It's filtering into a lot of different places. Be quiet and don't say things that would upset people of diverse feelings. In other words, you don't say something that would make somebody feel bad about themselves. Uh, just stay to yourself and just keep quiet and don't share what needs to be shared. And uh, you wonder, well, what does that have to do with her sharing at the halftime of the, of, the, of the football game? Apparently, when she announced that she was going to be singing at the halftime of the football game to, for all of her fans to come, many of her fans began to rebel. And they began to rebel because at the halftime of this football game for the last 20-some years, I didn't even know it. Uh, it, it, they, they, this is the kickoff for the red kettle of the Salvation Army. And so this is a big event that kicks off for the Salvation Army. The reason that people are coming against her is because the Salvation Army has not recognized and does not send money to the LB, I always get this thing wrong, L B Q G T Z X five. You know, in other words, they, they don't support what they do. Well, the Salvation Army is a Christ-centered organization that certainly would not be about anti-scriptural support of organizations that aren't Christ-centered or at least open to helping people no matter where they come from. And so her demand... On the, on the Cowboys, but mainly the demand on the Salvation Army is that we want you immediately to send a large donation to that organization or to make a commitment to send a large donation to that organization or I will not be singing at the halftime of that football game. Well, I could guarantee you what I would be doing, I would say... <laughs> I'm sorry you're not going to be there, but we'll get Willie Nelson. You know, in other words, now I know, I know, and my wife has told me this, and I know you're right, I can become a little bit bold in a sense in some areas that maybe I can come close to crossing a line, but I am tired of political correctness. I'm tired of the name diversity as it is interpreted 
that everyone should be accepted and that if you say something that would offend these little snowflakes, you are the problem. I am not the problem. I have the answer. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not the problem. You have the answer. But if you are not bold to speak up, how would you like to have been in that mountain on December the 4th, 1941? And you saw in Conneaway Bay that first wave of Jap planes coming in. Oh, my God, he said Jap. You know, that's what they said back then. The Japanese planes, I understand, but, you know, the Japanese planes were coming in. What would you have done? Well, I don't want to offend anybody by saying they're Japanese planes. No, you would have shattered the warning. And, and folks, we are living in an area where I believe there is an intensification of the devil's attack. And it is so subtle. It's not a wave of planes. It's not demonic forces that are red and coming in the air and you see them and they scare you. They're subtle. They come as disguised as people. They come disguised as, that makes sense. Well, yes, that makes sense. Well, certainly that makes sense. Why would we want anybody to feel bad about themselves? Why would we want, and, and all of a sudden, you're just like somebody that you know about. You're just like that little girl in Genesis chapter 3. And the devil came. Did God really say? Well, no, not really. And she started listening to that subtle, still, small voice. She was made in the image of God. She was made with the power of God inside her. The Hawaiian Islands had the power of the military everywhere on December the 7th, 1941. And you know what the Japanese did? They knew there was one day of the week that all the people would be on liberty, all the people would be sleeping late, all the people would be quiet, all the people would not be at their duty stations. Let's come on in on Sunday, December the 7th. The devil knows your weakness. Turn to your neighbor and says, if you have one, the devil knows what it is. And I believe that years ago, there was an organization. Well, they still is. I think it's still around. But how many of you remember Jerry Falwell? He's in heaven now. I think he's got a great reward up there. But uh, what did he have? The silent majority. Everybody say silent majority. majority. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to get rid of them. We need to get rid of the silent majority. There was a season, and it was great when Jerry Falwell came to the forefront. And basically what he said was, the majority of Americans are good. They're just silent. They're good. And he formed an organization. He was crucified in the press for the silent majority because they were for Christianity. They were for common sense. They were for moral values. They were for teaching in the school. But I believe it's time for that silent majority to stop being silent and to begin to speak as an oracle, not with anger, not with shouting, not with screaming, but just speak with the Word of God and share the Word of God with people and that when you're in positions when you know the Holy Spirit is showing you something to say, you don't choke it down. Can I see the hands of all the people? You've been in situations before where you felt that urging start to build inside you to say something in a situation that you didn't know if it would be received, but you choked it back down because you didn't want to offend anyone. I'm telling you, every single one of us have been there. You don't have to raise your hand. 
but I believe that day's over. I believe you need to really get to the point when you are ready to speak as an oracle of God for God based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. I thank God. My secretary years ago, and most of you have read it in the book, Jean Grinner, did not do what I told her to say. I said, I just want you to be quiet and leave me alone. I mean, I was so nasty to that lady, but all she did with the bold, I realized it was the boldness. She didn't scream, yell, holler, or talk loud or anything like that. She just would not stop talking. <laughs> See, it didn't matter what I said. It was blankety-blank this or blankety-blank this or get out of here. And she just, well, now you know, you know. Said, did you not hear what I said? And she would not listen to me. She was listening to that small inner voice to rescue me. I didn't know it, but I thank God that she was not afraid of me. She was not trying to please me. She was trying to please God. And I have a question for you. This is the message tonight. Are you a God pleaser or are you a man pleaser? Turn to your neighbor and just ask him, are you a God pleaser or are you a man pleaser? Now we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 because it tells us what a God pleaser is like. It says that faith, oh, no, that got the wrong one. <laughs> Without faith, it is impossible to please God because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. So let's just say it. God is a rewarder. But he rewards those who diligently seek after him. In other words, our faith is so strong in what God is showing us by the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's not just the written God, that, the written Word. That is the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when you understand that, it's, yes, leading the foundation of the Word of God, but it's also whatever the Holy Spirit is showing us to do. The word diligently means to crave. How many of you can relate it? Usually, I think when you crave, the best way we can all relate it is to a food. Uh, you know, have you ever had a certain food? You, every once in a while, I crave olives. I don't know why. I just get a craving for olives, and the only way that craving goes away is I eat a bunch of olives, and I just love the taste of olives. But how many of you have something like that that you know that you'll start to crave it? Not every day, but every once in a while. And, and the only thing that satisfies you is to take that thing in that you have. I believe God wants us to be so excited to crave Him so that we can have what He wants us to have and do what He wants us to do. And it also says at the very end of that scripture is that He is a rewarder of those who diligently crave Him. So everybody say this, God wants to reward me. Now, if you'll li leave, live, get my mouth right, but if you'll live this message, it will excite you and it will give you great experiences of victory. But it also will be something that you will have people who won't really be happy with you because the devil is real out there and he is coming after people. How many of you remember Anita Bryant? Anita Bryant was a wonderful, Christ-centered woman of God, Coca-Cola representative, uh, star. Was she a singer, wasn't she? Basically a singer. And uh, 
and and she came out uh, against against some, it, it had to do with homosexuality, and I forgot what it was. But when she made the statement that the, that homosexuality was contrary to the will of God and contrary to the word of God, they crucified that woman. They crucified her woman. But I'll say this for her: she never backed down. She never gave in to that thing. She lost her livelihood uh, as she had it at that time. Uh, Coca-Cola fired her immediately, uh, and, but she never backed down from standing on the Word of God, and I admire her for that. I don't know if she's still alive or not. But when I first got, when we first got married, when, when we first got saved, uh, I have not arrived with boldness, but I'm much more bold now than I used to be. I could really care less what anybody else thinks about me. Uh, and we're going to talk about that one next because there are a lot of people, they don't know it, but they are a man pleaser and they don't really understand it. And, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But when Pam and I were first married and we, and we, we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and we, were, we had no friends and we were invited out to a, a house where there are going to be a bunch of people there and, and it was kind of like a party and we were new in town and they wanted us to come. And my wife and I were sitting there at, at kind of like a bar. And there's a woman sitting there. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong with any of this. But, but my wife, when we first got married, my wife was much more bold than I was. And I, sometimes I just look at her and shake my head. But, and, and this is one of those times. And we're sitting there, and this woman is talking about her ministry. And, it, and if I missed any, you just jump right in and, and tell me, okay? But she's talking about her ministry. And I'm new in the Word. I don't know the Word. I haven't been to Bible school. I very seldom was in the Bible at that time. Uh, I had just gotten saved, and this woman was talking about how she had a ministry, and God had ordained her, and she's going to travel around the world now, and she's divorcing her husband because he wasn't in agreement with her to, to do what she was doing, and uh, and I was just sitting there listening, thinking, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was basically where I was, whatever, and, and, and uh, all of a sudden, Pam pipes up, and she says to this woman, sitting there, there's a bunch of people around, she says to this woman, you know, God is not mocked, and basically that, that couldn't be God, what you're doing. That, am I right so far? Yeah, it's, put it put it on in there. Say it so they all can hear, all can hear you. She doesn't really You got what like you this. said on your phone? Huh? You got what you said on your phone? I, it was Galatians That was 20 years, 40 years ago. I know what I ago. said. I know, I remember what I said. It was like a lightning bolt shot through the place. Everybody was looking at me like I committed the cardinal sin, whatever that would be. Well, I want, well while you're looking, whatever you're looking, when Pam said what she said. I said, do not be deceived after she said, yes, God told me to divorce my husband. I said, the Bible says, do not be deceived. To be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. For he who sows to the flesh, I started just quoting the word to her. And, and the, she went. And the lady jumped up. Ran. Off her bar stool and started screaming and running down the hallway and ran and hid under a bed. Really? I'm sitting there thinking we're there to impress these people being new in town. And I'm telling you, I am not embellishing this story again at all. And they're running after the lady. The lady screaming and all, where is she? She's under the bed. And I'm thinking, what have you done, honey? What have <laughs> and finally, the hostess came up to us and said, it might be better if you folks left. <laughs> 
And so we're thrown out of our first fellowship that we have in Salsa. Now, I didn't know what to think of her. I knew the other lady was crazy. That part I knew. And I thought, how could you cause her to do that? And all you did was that. And all the, this lady had demons. I mean, she was totally deceived. I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> didn't believe that demons act up, or he didn't believe in demons. You know, I mean, he was like, yeah, there's it, maybe, it, you know. It, it was absolutely unbelievable. But the lady, now I don't know if the lady ever got set free or not, but the lady heard what she needed to hear. You are a delivery system. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you are a delivery system. You are a delivery boy. You are a delivery woman. How it's received is none of your business. You are out to deliver and on an assignment from God, implant in somebody what will not return void. Because Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says the word of God is powerful than any type of weapon. And it will produce after its own self. And that when we speak that word of God into a situation, they can't forget it. When Gene Grinnard, my secretary, was telling me things about the Word of God, I was infuriated with her. But I could never stop thinking about it. It was with me all the time. Well, I wish that woman would leave me alone. Now, when I look back on it now, I thank God she would not leave me alone because she continued to speak the Word of God. She wasn't loud. She wasn't boisterous. But she was bold. And she was on her assignment. And she would not stop. And so that's where all of us have to be because it's the Word of God that does the work, not you. And you can't be concerned by what is on the face of the people when you're sharing what you need to be sharing with them. Proverbs 29, 25, because if you want to be a man pleaser, this is what happens. This is where a lot of people are and they don't realize it. It says that, uh, uh, that the fear of man is a snare. It's a snare that gets a hold of you, and it'll get a hold of your mind, and it'll go hold of your mouth, and you'll start to think these types of things. Well, what will they think if I do that? Uh, how, what if they don't receive it? What if, what if, what if, and all of a sudden, instead of doing what the Holy Spirit's showing you to do, you're trying to placate the situation so that you won't cause a problem. You are not a problem. Everybody say, I'm not a problem. You are the solution to problems. And that when you get that fear of snare, and, and there are a lot of people that I believe, I've, I've watched it, I've listened, I've, I've, I've just seen it in action. The problem is they have a root of fear, and their fear is the fear of man. Their fear is how will what I'm about to say, if I say it, be taken by the other, per uh, other person. And we've got to get to the point in our lives when it doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody thinks. I know what the Word of God is showing me. I know what the Holy Spirit is showing me to do. And I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to be angry. But I'm going to tell you this is what the Lord is showing me to do. Now, I know this is kind of a silly example, <clears throat> but, but uh, I have seen it work on many, many other examples. You've all heard this story, almost all of you, unless you're relatively new to our church, uh, about Larry Campbell. And that when Larry Campbell came to our church, and Larry comes to our church, and he came to our church because he wanted to see what I was up to. Larry knew me all the way back, really, into high school days. 
and he knew that I was not a candidate to be a pastor. And so he came to see what I was up to. Matter of fact, that's exactly what he told me when he came in. Larry, what are you doing here? I came to see what you were up to. I remember what you were like, and I came to see what you were up to. So he's here for one service, and then I never see him again. And one day, Now, back in that day, I was not as firm and as bold as I am today because that was fairly close to the start of the church, not too far after the start of a church. So that would have been probably 20, 25 years ago. And, and then I never saw him after that. And uh, 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 decided to call him one day. I had heard a story uh, that, that he didn't uh, want to come to a church where there's a woman pastor and where they spoke in other tongues or something. I don't, Melba, you would know more about that than I do. I don't really remember, but something like that. I probably got it a little bit wrong. <clears throat> and uh, it, to me, it was like no big deal to me. You know, come to church or don't come to church. And so I just went about my business. But one day I was praying. And this is what I heard in my spirit. Call Larry Campbell and tell him he needs to get in your church. Now, at that time, I was not as bold as I am now. And, and I thought about it, and I prayed about it, and I thought, what? I don't know. And finally, I just did. I just picked up the phone, and I called him up. I said, Larry, God told me to call you and tell you you need to be in church. That hung up. That was short. That was it. Following Sunday, I never thought about it after I did it. That following Sunday, Larry Campbell's in church. And I, and I hadn't thought about the call. And I said, Larry, what are you doing here? And he said, you told me to come. Been in church ever since. Now, you'll never know when your word is going to explode in somebody and influence their life. I, I know, sometimes when I say this, I feel like crying. Uh, I know, like when I was rereading the book uh, the other day, we're getting ready to read this book. I want to thank all of you. How many of you took some of these books and distributed them? I, I find this very hard to believe. We've distributed just short of 1,000 books. Uh, we, <laughs> it's time to reorder. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to go there. I, anyway, uh, we have some decisions to make now on <laughs> reordering the book. Uh, but uh, I thank all of you for distributing those books. We've had a lot of great comments on it. What was I going to say about that? What did I say? think the moment came the moment came and the moment went it'll come back I think it was about I think it was about Jean Jean Grimmett because sometimes when I think about her but uh, I'll be reading parts of that book uh, and looking at is there anything we need to change uh, you know uh, editing and uh, and I'll read a part of it and uh, it's like I'm there 40 years ago, experiencing the same, same thing in my spirit. And uh, I'm so thankful, so thankful that a man, Joe Liberty, took time to talk to me, not caring what I was going to think, on an assignment from God, telling me what God thought. I thank God for a secretary who didn't really care what I thought. She was on an assignment from God, telling me what God thought about me, even though I wasn't buying it at the time, but she never gave up her assignment. You and I have continual assignments all the time, and God wants us to be bold so that we will move out and do what he's shown us to do 
And the word of God is so true. Proverbs 29.25 says that the snare of man, uh, that the, the fear of man is a snare. But then it goes on to say, whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So let's all say it. My trust is in the Lord. Now, I want to give you a couple things God showed me, and they'll, fill, they'll, they'll fit right in with the end of this message. Fear causes the person to cower down. It causes you to not necessarily physically drop like this, but that is a cowering down. And that's what the devil does. He tries to get you to not be noticed. He tries to get you to blend in. Cowering in face of the leading of the Holy Spirit enables the situation that you are called to address to stay the same. Say that again. Cowering down, instead of being led by the Holy Spirit, enables the situation to continue on the way it is. God has anointed you with the ability to change it. You're going to have to be bold to address it. And if you won't do it, the situation stays the same. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ today who don't know it, but they're enablers. Now, in our right mind, we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't accept it. But we are enabling people to continue on like they are because we are not inputting the word of God that needs to be input into their life. You're going the wrong direction, and if you continue going that direction, you may end up in hell. And I want to save your life. There are people celebrating things in the body of Christ that know the Lord that should not even be involved with those things. It's not diversity. It's demonic. The only thing that's the same is they both start with D. But it's demonic. And if you start going down that direction saying, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, if you start saying, yeah, but, you have missed God. You're going the wrong direction. And we'll talk about this boldness in just a moment. Never, ever consider how anybody is going to feel about you if you're doing what God told you to do. Don't you ever think about yourself. Well, what if? What if they get? What if they? What if they? It doesn't matter. You are on an assignment from God to save lives. Everybody say this. I'm on an assignment from God to save lives. And in a spirit of meekness and humility, but with great boldness, you are to proclaim the word of God and the will of God everywhere that you go. We are on assignment from God. I want to share a, a story with me when I was first saved. I didn't understand this message <clears throat> and, uh, about boldness at all. And I didn't understand really being led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know now that I know how, to, and so do you. I know how to be led by the Holy Spirit. I know how to yield to that voice. Do I always hear it right? No. But that's okay. I don't bat 100%, but I'm going to follow what I think is that voice. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm, I may miss it somewhere along the line, but just because I miss it, I'm not going to stop following. I know the voice of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but, but in the beginning, I was really young at it, and I didn't understand it. And Pam and I were in a situation with a couple and they were out on a venture, or this individual was on a venture as to what he was going to do in, in ministry. And uh, I heard the conversation, 
and didn't register with me. I wasn't in ministry, and I don't even think I'd been to Bible school yet. And, uh, and I heard what was going on, and instantly in my spirit, this is what I heard. He is deceived. He is deceived. That's all I heard. And uh, so later on, I told Pam that. I said, you know, he's, I, I heard he's deceived. I don't know if he is or not. That's what I heard in my spirit. I was trying to learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit, but I didn't really understand it. But I knew what I heard. How, how many of you realize you know what you hear? Everybody say, I know what I hear. <laughs> you know what you hear. You just have to determine who you heard it from. And I knew what I heard, so I told it to Pam. And one time we were in the, our living room in our home, and we were talking, the four of us, and, and something came up about the husband and wife didn't know for sure if they were in agreement. And uh, I don't remember the exact conversation, but Pam said, I don't know if you remember or not, but you said, well, Bill had a word. And I thought, whoa, you know, I wasn't prepared to give a word at all. And, uh, but I, I, I remembered the word, and, and I said, oh, yeah, I had a word. And uh, what was that? And I said, that, that you were deceived. Oh, my goodness. It seemed like all hell broke loose. The guy got really upset with me and stormed out of the house. And I, I don't think we've ever had a reconnection of that relationship. And that was 40 years ago or something like that. And I thought, well, I think I did right. He went ahead with what he wanted to do, almost went to jail. The whole thing caved in, and it was a horrible, horrible mess. Now, part of me was conflicted. I was almost glad to see it happen because I knew it hurt from the Holy Spirit, but I felt sorry for that person. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I didn't want that to happen, but it happened, and it gave me confidence. I know what I heard. I always know what I hear. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you always know what you hear. You always know what you hear. And so what we've got to do is be that vessel that God wants us to be so that we can accomplish. Now, it's going to take, on your part, courage. And, and if you can't, in love, confront situations and circumstances with the leading of the Holy Spirit, then your courage won't be activated. God gave Joshua great advice when he promoted Joshua. And it's Joshua 1, 8, and 9. You hear me quote it a lot, but it's so powerful. It says that, Joshua, I want you to meditate the Word of God day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Everybody say good courage. Of good courage, don't be afraid. If you're courageous, you'll never be afraid. Nor be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. In other words, God is always going to be with us. Now, in Joshua 1.13, he said to the people, don't forget. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. He said, don't forget the word. Don't forget the word. Don't forget the word. Turn to your daughter and say, don't forget the word. What is the word that God is showing you to share with someone? And the other, the other day I had this word for an individual, and uh, it would not leave me. Have you found out, like I found out, that if the Holy Spirit's given you a word, it won't leave you? It will not leave you. Uh, you go, this happened, this is another story. The story I'm just going to tell you, I'll get to in a minute. This story happened when, when we were directing the Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was our first year 
with the internship program, and I was still learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit and how to share with other people with, with the boldness. And again, boldness is just being firm and being, you know, not, not angry and, and not yelling, but just with the boldness that nothing's going to stop me from delivering the word that I have. And, uh, and it was at the uh, word explosion, and it was the Indian boy. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not, Pam, but a real big guy, Indian boy that was an intern and uh, uh, married to a little bitty girl, but he was big, this, this Indian. And, uh, and, and I walked into the Maybe Center, four or 5,000 people there, and this kid was sitting there, and I looked at him, and God gave me a word for him, a very stern word. And I looked at, at him, and I thought about that word, and I said, I don't know if that's God or not. <laughs> and, and so I just walked away. And uh, I went outside into what's a, kind of like a foyer area uh, in the Maybe Center, and as I walked out there, I was just thinking about something else, and this Indian guy walks out, and I see him again. It's like... Whoa, and, and so then I went down the escalator. I didn't want to give him the word. I went down the escalator in the, the, what's called the lobby of the Maybe Center, and I went over and just sat down and was praying, doing something, I don't really remember what, by the glass. I'll never forget this. And I looked up, and here he comes, and he walks right over and sits down, two chairs from me. And I said, okay, God, <laughs> obviously you want me to tell this guy. I turned to him and I said, I have a word for you from the Lord. Yeah, what is it? And I gave it to him. He started crying. He just broke right there. And I prayed for him. And he got up and left. I thought, God, this is, I didn't say this at the time, but I'm thinking about it now. This is a lot easier than it looks. <laughs> and it's so rewarding to know that God will anoint you as a vessel to share a word with somebody that will save and change their life. That's God's will for every single person in the body of Christ. We're all on an assignment. And either we're doing and completing our assignment or we're holding it back. Now back to the other story that I just forgot. Where was I going with that? Honey, I'm looking for you. You've always got to tell me where I am. What was I, where was I going? Well, we'll go there again. I'll get there in a minute. I don't remember, but I'll jump back there to it. Now, here's, here's what I want to share with you in the limited time that we have left. One of the greatest examples for this message is Peter. Peter <laughs> was always telling Jesus how it's going to be. Jesus is telling Peter he's going to you know, go to the cross, and Jesus, <laughs> and, and, and Peter, yeah, Jesus is telling Peter, I'm going to go to the cross, and Peter said, no, 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 Jesus, you got it all wrong. You're not going to the cross. And he said, get behind me, Satan. And, and I can only imagine what Peter must have been like. But then finally Peter said, you know, I, hey, I'll never, I'll, I'll never rebuke you. I mean, I'll never uh, turn my back on you. I'll, I'll never not acknowledge you. See, yeah, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you will do that. <clears throat> In uh, Matthew chapter 27, uh, verse uh, 65, it happened. Matthew 27, is that right? Matthew, you can obviously tell these messages aren't rehearsed. Matthew 26, <laughs> 75, three times he denies Jesus, and then all of a sudden he re realizes, Jesus told me I was going to do that. He was fearful of the people. He was fearful of the people when they confronted him. Aren't you that guy that was with Jesus? How many of you realize that when you're in here and you got a word, 
You, 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 Sue gets a word for Mackenzie, it's pretty easy to give it to her. Uh, Mackenzie's out there in Atlanta, and God tells her to give a word to this person in this business that's not part of Victory Christian Center, and you're somewhere else. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> it was a lot easier in church to do that. No, God wants it to get outside the church, not just in the church. He wants you to be able to do that. So, so here's Peter. Now, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You know the story. Acts chapter 3, verse 4, here comes Peter after he is filled with the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus and you've got the power of the Holy Spirit within you and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then the power and the boldness of God is already inside you. Acts chapter 3, verse 4, they're walking into the gate of the temple called Beautiful, and the lame man is there, and the same Peter that was fearful of man he was fearful of man. Now he's got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now he's got a lame man who's crying out. He reaches down and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. Rise up and walk. And not only that, he reaches down and pulls that person up, and the healing power of God flowed, and the man was healed instantly. What did he say? Look at us. Before, he didn't want anybody to see him. He wanted to blend in. You are not called to blend in. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not called to blend in. You're called to stand out. You are called to set people free, set captives free, give people a word, give people encouragement, and let them know that Jesus is the answer. Acts chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus is telling the people, after they're telling him, shut up and knock off using the name of Jesus. Do you know that right now in our colleges across the campus, I, I, I've said this before in this church, but I'm telling you, I believe it. One of the most dangerous places to send your child is a university. You better know where that university is. Send them to Liberty University. Send them to Oral Roberts University. Send them to some place where you know they're going to get the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and not an indoctrination into liberalism, socialism, and communism. And we are living in an infiltrated society. And a lot of people say, oh, that's just dangerous talk. Folks, you got your head in the sand. We are living in an infiltrated society. And the body of Christ needs to step up, sound off, and speak as an oracle of God and let people know. You send your child off one way to college and they come back another way. And you wonder what happened. You sent them right into the den of the devil. And they'll come back manifesting a lot of that stuff. Pray about it. I'm not saying don't send them to college, but pray about it before you do it. So anyway, Peter, uh, Peter is telling them that you guys, you guys crucified Jesus and you did it in ignorance. How would you like to be standing up before a bunch of people that just threw you in jail and tell them they're all ignorant? <laughs> Glory to God. And that's exactly what Peter did. What's the difference in Peter? He's got the power of the Holy Spirit stirring inside him. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, see, that can happen to you right here in this sanctuary. That can happen to you. Well, I feel that power. Man, I, can, I can do that. But how about when you get outside the door? How about when you get to your workplace? How about when you get to other places? How about when you get on the bus? How about when you get walking down the street? How about when you're at the gas station pumping gas and the Holy Spirit starts to tell you something? The atmosphere is not the same as it is here, but the power of the Holy Spirit in you is the same. You don't operate by atmosphere. I want to say that again. You don't operate by atmosphere. You operate by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you get to this point, it will help you be like Peter. Acts chapter 4, verse 34, they put Peter in jail because he kept using the name of Jesus. Sent him to jail, but in the process, 5,000 people got saved. That's a pretty good day's work. 
5,000 people got saved. I've never had a day like that. We could have a day like that. That would be awesome. But here's what happened. They finally told them that, look, we're going to let you out of jail, but we want you to stop using the name of Jesus. We want you to knock this stuff off that you're doing. We don't want you to do that anymore. School teachers, you can't take your Bible to school anymore. School teachers, you can't talk about the name of Jesus. School teachers, you can't pray for people anymore if they have a need. School teachers, you can't do these kind of things. You can't talk about this kind of group of people because they're snowflakes and they'll melt real quick. So you can't say anything about them. And you can't quote all of the Bible. You can just quote some of the Bible. I'm not going to say the response I was thinking of. But we are different. Everybody say, I'm different. Anybody can tell you what you can and can't do <laughs> is a two-letter word. No, I mean it was a two-word. But, but, but w- it's like you tell me anything you want, but I'm going to tell you what God says. God says if you keep doing that, my Bible says you may not make it to heaven. But if I don't do that, I'll feel bad about myself. No. That is demonic, what you're doing. It's a tool of the devil. And if you keep doing it, he could take away your salvation. Because if you continue to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you continue to tell the Holy Spirit he's full of crap, you could be destined for hell. I'm telling you, people say, well, who knows what blaspheme of the Holy Spirit is? I don't know for sure, but I know this. I don't want to find out. But I know what I think it is. And if I'm right, the Holy Spirit is trying to convict somebody, and they're telling the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit doesn't know what's going on, and I'm going to do it my way, and I don't care about you. Somebody better be there to intercede. Somebody better be there to give a word and say, you may think this is fun and games, but it may cost you eternity. I'm here to try to stand the gap for you, tell you what you're doing is could take you away from God. What if they get upset with me? Oh, my goodness. We want people to like us right up until the end when they go to hell and we can say, they went to hell, but they like me all the way. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Now, this is the key. I really love what happened to Peter. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Everything is winding down now. And I tell you, er, not Ephesians, uh, Acts, I'm sorry. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 29. And here's here's Peter. He's telling him, we're going to beat the crap out of you, Peter, and we're going to kill you if you keep doing this. Now look at verse number 39. This is the guy who was afraid just a few chapters back, or just a few paragraphs really now lord look on all these threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant jesus and when they had prayed we're gonna pray tonight and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God 
with boldness. Let's all say this. I need to be more bold. The word boldness, parisia, outspokenness, unreserved utterance, freedom of speech with frankness, candor, cheerful courage, and the opposite of cowardice. Cowering is the root word for cowardice. The opposite of cowering, opposite of timidity or fear. Here it becomes a divine enablement that comes to ordinary and unprofessional people exhibiting spiritual power and authority. What do you, just leave that up there. What do you and I have that has been delegated to us? Spiritual power and authority through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is God going to bring our way? People who need what we have, and God sees that we will yield to be able to impart to them, because He does the work. We're the messenger. Everybody say, I'm the messenger. So He does the work, and we just deliver the Word of God to the people, and we share with them what the Holy Spirit is sharing with us. That is a boldness that the Holy Spirit will put in you, through you, and it will pour through you, and you will be able to set people free in their lives. Let's all stand to our feet. And I believe that there are people out there who need what we have. When my secretary would come and tell me, she got saved at the First Assembly of God under Charles Hackett's ministry, and she would tell me what went on and what God did this and God did this, and she just drove me up that proverbial wall. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. But she was bold. She was tenacious. She was not fearful of me. I could not intimidate her because she knew she was on an assignment from God. There are people that you have been assigned to touch for God. Some of you right now, you already know who they are. You've had the things that you've felt like God was showing you. And say, like, oh God, is that really you? I don't know if I want to do that. You know you want to do it. Everybody say, I want to do it. There isn't a single one of us here in our right mind doesn't want to do what God wants us to do. And when you'll yield to that and say, God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do whenever you tell me to do it. Now I remember the story. I, uh, I, 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 I had this, I kept hearing this word about this individual. And uh, uh, I was really concerned about what to do. And I said, God, I'll do it, but I have to know it's you. And I heard, I definitely heard, you have to do it because they're moving the wrong direction. And so uh, I, I uh, sent this email and uh, I thought, some of what I've done has produced tremendous fruit and I've seen it. Some of it, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's produced tremendous recoil. <laughs> but you know what? Ezekiel chapter 3 and if you'll read Ezekiel and I know a lot of people say oh that's old covenant 
I believe a lot of stuff in the Old Covenant comes right into the New Covenant. And in Ezekiel, it says, if you don't warn people when I tell you what to do and how to warn them, their blood is on you. But if you warn them, they throw it off, you're okay. And uh, I felt this was a stern warning to this individual. How many of you realize when you do your computer, your uh, your laptop, uh, I, I wasn't a computer, it's a text. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I had this text all ready to go. And it took me a while to hit the send. Finally, I did. And then I was waiting for that response. And it didn't come. And it didn't come. And it didn't come. And a couple days later, I kept thinking, boy, the longer it goes, the more difficult it's probably being received. And two days later, I got a text back. I said, thank you. I needed that. I needed to hear that. I understand. I know that you love me, and I receive what you said. And I just want you to know I love you. Now, I felt really good about it. I would have felt really good if I hadn't received it. Does that make sense? In other words, we can't be looking for the response from man as to whether or not I did the right thing. You know in your spirit whether or not you did the right thing. And I'm going to ask you tonight to make a decision to let the Holy Spirit infuse you with more boldness because that's God's will. And once you do that, it'll give you a new dimension it really will. Father, I pray for every single person here tonight, Lord, that we would want to stir up that gift that's in us, just like you told Timothy. You haven't been given a spirit of fear. You've been given power, love, and a sound mind. That you are equipped to do whatever I've called you to do. Father, I pray for every person here tonight. I don't think we have any visitors at all. Lord, I, I pray that because of Jesus, rest within each and every one of us. And I pray that tonight we would make a decision for that power to shake us, to infuse us, to be bold for you. How many of you are ready for more of that power in your life? you to reach out and take the hand of that person. Now I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to make a confession in a moment. I want us to pray that that power would flow. Just like they were all together, they were shaken. They were shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your power. Lord, to infuse us, every part of our body, every part of our mind, every part of our spirit. Flow through every person here tonight. There is an assignment for us, certainly our family, but in our surroundings, in our spirit of influence. Lord, just like the influence that Gene had in me, oh, glory to God, Lord. I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't sent her. Lord, let us all be a Gene. Let us all be like her to somebody where we go every moment, every day. Maybe it'll be in the drive-thru at a Starbucks or a McDonald's. Maybe it'll be walking down the street. 
Maybe it's somebody that we already know that you've assigned to us. But Lord, let that boldness infuse us. Let that boldness infuse us to be used mightily of you. There are so many people out there hurting, going the wrong direction. We know who they are. Lord, for many of us, it's in our own family. We pray and we intercede for them. But Lord, we want to be bold in their lives also as you direct us to speak a word in season. Speaking that word that will change their life. And I pray for an anointing upon every person in this place. Lord, just like they were anointed with boldness in the book of Acts chapter 4. They prayed for more boldness. Lord, you delivered. You delivered. Let's all make this confession. Lord, I desire more boldness. More Holy Spirit boldness to proclaim your word. I yield to it, Lord. No fear. Just boldness to proclaim your word everywhere that I go. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. Lord, I thank you for those that would be listening to this message. Lord, that we are people on an assignment from you to deliver with boldness through love, through humility, your plan and your purpose for their lives. And that one word fitly spoken from us through your spirit will change a life for eternity. We speak it. We believe it. In the precious name of Jesus. Everybody said So let's say it. Sue just said it just a moment ago, just out of her mouth. Let's say it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming for me. Because of you, I can be bold, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I have no fear. I have faith. And my faith will deliver your word wherever you say, whenever you say. Because without a doubt, I'm on an assignment. My labor will never be in vain. But my labor will be full of your power, your spirit, to set the captive free. Can you say amen to that? Now give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed. Have an awesome rest of the night.